And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Here's a question. Did you know an all bond portfolio can earn up to 6.88% yield? As interest rates plateau and eventually begin to drop, Betterment is offering the BlackRock Target Income Portfolio, a 100% bond portfolio that can be a smart alternative to cash. Here's a couple more reasons why you may want to consider BlackRock Target Income Portfolio. First, it has four different yield targets to choose from based on your preferred level of risk. Second, it's built by BlackRock, one of the world's leading asset managers. And third, while it's still an investing product, it's generally less risky than stocks alone. But did you really hear anything after up to 6.88% yield? Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Learn more at betterment.com slash bonds. As of 4.1924 for the aggressive target income portfolio, blended 30-day SEC yield is the weighted average of 30-day SEC yields standardized calculation for each ETF in the portfolio, net of fees 0.25%. Yield is not performance. Investment returns may vary. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Betterment, not BlackRock, is responsible for its advisory relationships with clients. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Sunday, January 1st. Happy New Year, one and all. Okay, obviously I'm pre-taping this because, you know, we're not doing this on Sunday. But we are so happy that we are closing the chapter on 2022. I think it was a turbulent year for so many and the markets were crazy. Um, I guess the thankful part of it is that, like, hopefully that we've had that horrible year and we can put it behind us and we have a different year ahead and there's always something different. That's a cool thing about this job that I have. I get to report on different things and hopefully you are looking forward as well. So in order to move forward, we are encouraging you to look backwards. And that is why this weekend we are re-airing our interview with Dan Pink because his book is called The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. So let's look back a little bit. Let's look forward. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, this time of year is such a great time to think about forgiving people, asking for forgiveness, and how this plays into the idea of regrets. Here is the second part of our interview with Dan Pink. I was on the board of an organization called StoryCorps, which oh, sure. is, um, you know, audio stories. Yeah. And the founder, Dave Isay, used yeah. to um, recount this very, he would say that like, basically, when you have these conversations with your loved ones, especially at the end of their lives, there are essentially four things mm. that they actually say. Okay. So it's obvious, like, I love you, right? Mm-hmm. That's easy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then the other two, forgive me. And the other one is, I forgive you. Oh, interesting. So how do you think forgiveness plays into regrets? 
It's a very, very interesting question. And I think it plays in in two ways. First of all, uh, you had mentioned, Jill, that you tend to regret hurt. Your bigger regrets are hurting other people. And that, that's the thing that, that bugs you a little bit more than, say, a regret of, you know, not asking somebody out on a date or not right. pursuing, you know, uh, you know, a woman who is attractive. There are two kinds of regret in the architecture. One is regrets of action and one of regrets are inaction. With action regrets, I regret what I did. What you have there is you have the opportunity to seek forgiveness. So if you've hurt somebody, again, let me let me be concrete here. I got a lot of people who have moral regrets about bullying. Okay, hmm. they regret oh a huge number. I, I was really surprised by that a huge number of regrets about bullying, and some of them have gone back to the people who they bullied. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and apologized, all right? And so what they're doing there is they're, they are seeking forgiveness. And that is a way perhaps to extinguish the regret or maybe even minimize it. So, so for regrets of action, you can ask for forgiveness, you can seek forgiveness. However, I think that for all regrets, there's another dimension of forgiveness that is even more important, which is, and again, I don't want to, I mean, you know, I'm not a woo-woo kind of guy, but I think there's another dimension of it that is even more important, which is at some level forgiving ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, we are extraordinarily harsh on ourselves. We treat ourselves with so much in, in, in such a severe way that we would never treat anybody we actually cared about. And so one of the ways of dealing with our regret is to get past it with a smidgen of forgiveness and, and self-compassion. But then to go back into this way of dealing with these regrets systematically, that when we forgive ourselves, we begin to open the way to make sense of the regret and to draw a lesson from it. And one of the best ways we make sense of our regrets is by talking about them or writing about them. The disclosure mm. itself is incredibly important. You know, I, with no, essentially no publicity, like except for like a tweet or two, I put up this thing called the World Regret Survey. Say, hey, Anybody want to tell their a complete stranger their biggest regret? And you know we got like in weeks fifteen thousand of these things. Cause, yeah, because people want to talk about it. So why do people want to talk about it? Because it relieves the burden. Okay, and the other thing though is that language, spoken language, written language, it's a conversion process. So negative emotions are blobby and abstract, but when we convert them into words. They're less menacing. They're more mm -hmm. concrete. And that begins the sense-making process. You know, I, I have to tell you that this is um, one of my pet peeves, and producer Mark will tell you this, that I hate happiness porn. Like, I hate <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate, like, like you can be this, you can be this. I, I find it terribly boring. I really do. And it, and really trite. It's tell just me, the, tell me tell me what your definition of that is or an example of that. Uh, you know, like the focus on that we all have to be happy. Like being a human being doesn't mean you're happy all the time. In fact, I would say that being a human being, in addition to regret and having negative emotions, it's like then all of a sudden you feel bad about yourself. It's like watching a movie and thinking that's what love is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so I find it really uh, very boring, frankly. And so I'm not that interested in a four hour work week or happiness at all costs. I'm really into like, let's get down and dirty, roll our sleeves up, get those emotions, label them, talk about them and use them. And there was something about this that really, you know, when you said the, the four different aspects of regret, the one that I also thought was really interesting was connection. 
I think that there is a regret when you feel like a relationship, you're trying to put context on a relationship that was important at one time and no longer is important. I'm talking more about friendships than romantic relationships. And I thought that was an interesting part of the book when you talked about the woman who was like, you know, I kind of don't know what happened. And then how you get back around and whether you go back and try to resuscitate that or is that just maybe a signal that that was a relationship for a period of time that no longer serves you? Is it a misplaced regret? Are you really taking responsibility for something that just was never rescuable or not? It depends. And I think that in some ways, we know the answer to that question in our guts. So for instance, if you are nagged by this idea, it's like, oh, I should, you know, there's this friendship that came apart. And and and, and I think you're totally right that a lot of these connection regrets are as much about friendship and and non, they're, they're much more about friendship and completely non-romantic relationships than they are about romantic relationships. If you have, if you say, oh, you know what, I really want to reach out to my friend so-and-so because I haven't talked to him or her for eight years. And at one point we were really close. My view is that that regret is telling you something, hmm. right? Because there are plenty of people who you lost touch with who you're not having that thought about. <laughs> so right. in a way, you're having you're, you're you're answering that question. And what happens in all the a lot of these connection regrets, particularly with regard to friendship, is we're wrong. <laughs> I mean, we're just terrible forecasters. So we think that, oh my gosh, if I reach out, it's going to feel so awkward, and the other side is not going to care. And I can't tell you how often both my reporting and also just piles of, of academic evidence tell us we've gotten both of those wrong. A, it's much less awkward than we think. We completely overstate our feelings of awkwardness, our predictions of awkwardness. And the second, it's almost always well received on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so to me, if we arrive at a juncture where we're saying where we're actually l- truly wondering should I reach out? We've answered the question. Um, do it. We, do it. Absolutely. When in doubt, reach out. Because there are many relationships that we have or have had where we're not thinking that. I had people who I was friends with. And I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you from San Francisco. And I have a friend, a good friend, um, who I haven't talked to for a few years. And I mean, here, and he lives in here in San Francisco. And I'm thinking, God dang it. Like, like it kind of bugs me that I'm not reaching out right now. And I probably should when I get off the phone with you. Well, I think you should also. How do you think the uh, pandemic has fostered the idea of regret? Do you think that we sort of were where our minds were still enough to contemplate some of this? Yes, I, I think that that the pandemic gave us gave a lot of us forced us into more reflection than we typically would have in our lives, mm. um, just because things slowed down and because again. Not to be morbid here, but this the specter of mortality, which I think is a, a central part of our consciousness, became even more explicit in this moment. And so we inevitably were looking backward. And when we look backward, we think about our regrets. And so I think it made people more I think it made people more more reflective. And I think what people are looking for in this post pandemic world, I'm with you on your on your point about happy about happiness in the smiley, sunny sense of the word happiness. Mm-hmm. And I very rarely even use that word myself. I, I like to talk about, I, I, I think of it in terms of just of, of flourishing. And one can flourish not by being smiley and sunny, but by doing something meaningful and by contributing and by being around people you care about and who care about you. 
And sometimes that isn't easy. And sometimes that isn't you know, smiley in an Instagram way, but that is, it is meaningful and that is a good life. And what's interesting about these four core regrets, which seems superficially like, you know, like I spent a couple of years every day going in and saying, oh, let's read some more regrets, um, <laughs> you know, in the morning. And you would think that would be a downer, but it was almost the opposite for the reasons that you're saying, which is that when people tell you what they regret the most, they're also telling you what they value the most. Hmm. And, and, and the fact that these four core regrets keep coming up are people are telling me what they value. They value some stability. Those are foundation regrets. They value growth and psychological richness. They value doing the right thing and they value love. Well, that's it. That's the program. Thank you so much for listening. We do wish you a very happy new year and we are looking forward to an exciting, exciting new year. And you know how exciting it is? We have changed our mantra for 2023. Yeah. Grit Growth Grace is last year. This year, we've got a new mantra. So we're going to continue to ask you to do something nice for someone else today. And now going forward for at least 2023, we're going to ask you to change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity, forming strong teams to support them. Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students.